You are listening to sermons from the pulpit of the Bible Baptist Church in Marysville, California. We hope you will be blessed as you listen to another practical message. God has been good, hasn't he? You know, we start thinking about what, what he has done for us and just the blessings. I mean, we talked a little bit just about salvation this morning and being saved and what God does in a life. And, you know, I'm, I look back at when, when my family got saved, everything changed. Everything changed. And I have, I have no point of reference for people that get saved and it just seems like it's the same things after. They got a different salvation than I got. But I watched God transform not just my life, my family. And it's just amazing to see. And I'm thankful for that. And just all the blessings. God, God has been so good to us. And how many of you agree God's been good? All right. Praise the Lord. Who's got a testimony? Something that uh, you just want to share. God's been good to you. Who's got a testimony? All right, Miss Brown. Amen. 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 Praise the Lord. Dad being able to come home. Our kids being able to sing together, and that was that was a blessing. All right, Brother Andy. Amen. Amen. And we're praying for John. All right, Brother Charlie. Amen. Yep. God, God is good because God is good. Amen. He's good to the just and the unjust. Amen. And so praise the Lord. Brother Bradley. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. All right. Anybody on this side? All right, Stephen. We are blessed. Amen. All right, good. Mrs. Cole? Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. Being able to share the gospel. So praise the Lord. God is, God is good. And, you know, in our life, we, we just got to stop and think about what he's, he's done. Miss Kristen? The Lord's working ways we don't understand, and we've got to trust that. All right. Okay. Keep your Bibles out here. Revelations chapter number four, and uh, this last Wednesday night, uh, I know many of you aren't in uh, uh, in the services on Wednesday or different places, uh, and we've been going through Revelation, and we had spent a lot of weeks uh, just going through the seven churches at Asia Minor, 
I think we were nine weeks on the seven churches, and uh, anyway, so that was chapters two and three. I was planning on getting done with chapter number four on Wednesday, and we got finished with verse number one of chapter four on Wednesday, uh, and so uh, I'm, I'm wanting to be in chapter chapter 5 on Wednesday night, so we're going to jump right back in here, and so we'll catch up a little bit. Look at uh, uh, Revelation chapter 4 and verse number 1. And after this I looked, and behold, a door was opened uh, opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither, and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone, and there was a rainbow round about the throne in sight like unto an emerald, and round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment, and they had on their heads crowns of gold." And so as we looked at this this last week, I'll do a little bit of review. Uh, when we look at verse number one, we, uh, we see a phrase that is used that is often uh, tied into the rapture. Uh, and that is at the end of the verse, it says, uh, there was a, uh, uh, I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, come up hither. Those three words there, come up hither. And oftentimes we tie that to the rapture. Uh, But this here is not talking about the rapture. This is a a statement that was made to John. uh, And God wanted John to see some things from a different perspective. Uh, Here he was. He was exiled on an isle called Patmos. And now as he was on Patmos, uh, he is... He is now going to see things a little bit differently, and he was going to be brought up to heaven to see from God's perspective things that were going to come hereafter. And so uh, that uh, that statement, come up hither, uh, though one day we we will go up hither, this call is not a call. Uh, of the rapture itself. Uh, That phrase is used uh, three times in scripture, but uh, that isn't what it is talking about here. So so he will call us uh, in in, uh, rapture or in death, uh, but that will that will that call is going to come uh, with the Lord Himself descending from heaven. The dead in Christ, First Thessalonians tells us, are going to rise, and we're going to meet the Lord together in the air. And that would be uh, what we talk about uh, the rapture. Uh, and so here, I want you to uh, see a couple of things here uh, as we're looking at it. But let's go ahead and have a word of prayer. We'll jump right in. Father, I pray that you'd bless now as we open your word. I pray that you'd help us to be encouraged, uh, challenged, Lord, by uh, what we can see out of this passage and and how how it uh, can impact our life, what practical information that we can gather and glean. So so help us now tonight, please, for Christ's sake. Amen. So uh, Revelation 4.1, we see that call uh, of him saying, come up hither. And so uh, I want you to see also uh, the very first uh, statement in chapter 4, verse 1. It said, after this, uh, and that was tying back to the first three chapters of Revelation, 
uh, and dealing with the churches uh, of Revelation. And so what do we find happen uh, as, as John is called up hither? What was the responses? First of all, I want you to see, uh, number one, he said, I looked. Uh, and, you know, with that, we, we hit this on Wednesday night uh, when we look. And uh, I wonder how many things the Lord has for us to see, but we don't see because we're not looking. Uh, just think about uh, as, as we finished with testimonies and gave people some opportunities to, to give a testimony. Uh, I wonder how many people thought, oh, I could have given a testimony about this. And I could have given a testimony about this. And, and our mind, uh, it is, you know, as you start thinking about it, then you, you start seeing what God is doing uh, in your life and blessings. And so uh, John here, uh, he was looking. So uh, what, what did John uh, see? He saw, first of all, he saw that door. And that was that rite of passage as we, we dealt with last week. It was either a rite of passage or it was a restriction of passage. It was either going to be an open door or a closed door. And God wanted John to see some things from his perspective. So we know that this was an open door. And so, uh, so he, uh, he saw, uh, he looked and he saw a door. Uh, but it wasn't just a door. Uh, there was a voice. Uh, and that voice was one that said, come up hither. And that was a personal conversation uh, with, with uh, John. And it, that conversation was going to take place in heaven. It was going to be, he was going to view some things in heaven. And what, what was he seeing? He was going to see the throne, that dwelling place of God. So we see that in verse number one. Verse number two, the Bible says, And immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven, and one sat on the throne. Now, uh, this spiritual revelation came to somebody who was able to receive it. It, it came to someone who was, who was, was able to, to take what he was being given. Uh, and, you know, it was a spiritual revelation. So uh, this, this was, was something, it was the work of God. He was, he was in the spirit. And if we are going to glean spiritual truth, we need to be a spiritual person. The Bible tells us that that which uh, that uh, uh, that that uh, uh, we could uh, uh, just lost the the verse. Uh, the uh, uh, the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. They are foolishness unto him. Neither can they know them, for they are spiritually discerned. Spiritual things are spiritually discerned, and you have to have a spiritual mindset. John here was in a spiritual mindset. He was in the spirit, uh, and with that, that helped him to be able to glean uh, spiritual truths. Now, take your Bibles, go to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And look with me at verse number... Eight, James 4, 8. James 4, 8, it says, Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Now, James was written to believers. And this condition does not sound like a good condition for believers to be in. The, the 
the things that he is trying to get them to change, he said, we need to cleanse our hands, ye sinners. Now, we're sinners. That's all of us. And the process of cleansing our hands is understanding that we are not, we are not holy. We, we fall short. And it doesn't matter how, how long we have been saved and how many things we may have gotten right in our life. We are still a sinful being. Have you, ever, have you ever just been going through your day and all of a sudden some thought comes into your head and you're like, where in the world did that come from? You know why that came? Because we are, the heart is desperately wicked above all things who can know it. We're sinners. And that sinful state is something that all of us deal with. And the Lord wants us to recognize if we are going to be in a position to receive spiritual things, we've got to realize that our hands are dirty. If we think that we're okay, we're not okay. When we feel like everything's good, uh, that, was, that was the Pharisees. They had all these religious, they had religion and they had the rules, but there wasn't that relationship. There wasn't that, uh, there wasn't that, uh, uh, that personal uh, relationship with God. And they were, they were uh, just worried about the outside. And you and I, God, God's looking at our hearts. And is, is the, the outside impacted? Absolutely. But God's looking at our hearts and he's looking at our minds. He knows when, whether you, might, you, you and I might have our lives cleaned up and maybe we're not going to be picked up at the bar and we're not going to be uh, down in a dr doing a drug deal. And there might be a lot of things that are not a part of our life. But, but we are still sinners in the eyes of a holy God. And, and we've got to recognize that that falling short. And James here, he said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. How many of you want to be spiritual? I want to be spiritual. I don't want to just have uh, uh, an uh, attitude or a, uh, a testimony. People think, oh, that's a spiritual person. That's not what I'm after, but I do want to be a spiritual person. I do want to be somebody that is in tune with God. I want to be able to have a relationship that is a real relationship, not some facade, not something that you just put on, uh, like our clothing that we put on. No, it needs to be something real. And if I am going to be in the spirit, if I am going to be a spiritual individual, then I need to be drawing nigh to God. Now, James said, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. He will draw nigh to you. I was uh, studying uh, and, and uh, just, just going over this message again. Uh, and, and I was just thinking about this verse. How many times in my own life do I feel like I'm by myself? Or did God really hear my prayer? Academically, I know, but there are times where I don't sense it. I don't always feel it. You know, our humanity will deceive us. Just because I don't feel God is there doesn't mean that God's not there. Just because I don't feel like he heard me does not mean that he didn't hear me. And here the, the admonition 
uh, John was in the spirit on the Lord. Uh, he was in the spirit, and he was now going to be able to see things from God's perspective. And God is telling us that we need to draw nigh to Him, and He will draw nigh to us. Uh, I'm guessing John, when he was on the Isle of Patmos, he was drawing nigh to God. He was putting himself in a position to have a relationship with the Lord. He was putting himself in a position uh, to communicate with God. And, and you and I, uh, we need to do that in our life. He said, and immediately I was in the spirit and behold, a throne uh, was set in heaven and one sat on the throne. Uh, so here we see that he looked. Uh, secondly, I want, you, I want you to see he saw. He saw, look at uh, Revelation 4, 3. And he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow round about the throne, in sight like unto an emerald. And round about the throne were four and twenty seats. And upon the seats I saw four and twenty elders sitting, clothed in white raiment. And they had on their heads crowns of gold. Now, there's a lot of mixed information about the stones. I went on and I was, I was wanting to show pictures uh, of the sardius and uh, the, uh, uh, the stones here, uh, the, uh, uh, the jasper and the sardine stone. And so I'm looking at them and I kept getting different different stones that were pulling up. Some of them were red, some of them were brown, some of them were, uh, you read, and they would say some were as crystal. And it's like, okay, so... So which one's right? I don't know. So I didn't throw a picture up there for you to see uh, because I wasn't sure. There's just a lot of mixed information. Uh, but what we do know is it was, they were precious. There was, there was a value and, and like unto these were precious stones. Uh, and so they say the, the jasper, they say that it could be clear and it could have been a diamond. Uh, the the uh, sardine uh, could have been uh, red, uh, and uh, so they say the, the jasper could have referenced a clear, a diamond, uh, precious, perfect, clear, without any flaws, uh, and that would reference the holiness of God. Uh, the sardine, a red, you come into the presence of God uh, with by holiness, you come into the presence of God uh, through the blood of Christ. And, uh, and these, are, these are symbolic whether or not this is true. And there is a lot of symbolism when you get into uh, Revelation. We do have to be careful that we don't just start looking for symbols where God doesn't say there's a symbol. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of people that believe that that is the case here uh, with these, these, uh, uh, these stones. But we want to make sure that there's a reason for that topology and not just, a, uh, just us trying to grasp at something and, and throw a, a title to it. But he that sat was to look upon. Now, this right here, the one that we are seeing that is being looked upon on the throne, this is God the Father. Uh, this is God the Father that's sitting on the throne. And we can tell that that is the case by some, some other scriptures. Uh, that uh, uh, will, will appear in chapter 5. Uh, and so uh, God the Father is on the throne. Skip over to chapter 5, verse 5. Chapter 5, verse 5. The Bible says, And one of the elders saith unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. Skip down to verse 7. And he came and took the book out of the right hand 
of him that sat upon the throne. And so here when we have the one that's sitting upon the throne, it is God the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be the one that's going to come and he is going to take the book from him that sat, sat upon the throne. And so we know that uh, the, God the Father is the one that is sitting on the throne there in Revelation uh, chapter 4 there. Uh, so uh, God the Father is there. Uh, he is looking. He sees, he sees the throne and, and God the Father. He sees uh, the 24 elders. Now, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, we see that those elders were clothed in white raiment. Clothed in white raiment. Uh, they had crowns of gold and they were praising God continually. Praising God continually. Uh, what do we find? We, we do find that, uh, that the martyrs were going to be clothed in white. And so these four and twenty elders that are there, uh, we believe that, uh, that these, are, these are people that had served, had been martyrs. Uh, for the cause of Christ, and they are now just praising God. Uh, and so uh, they, were, they were there, they were in white, uh, praising God continually. Uh, so they believe that these were uh, believers, these were not created beings as in angels. Uh, these were, uh, these were uh, elders, uh, leaders, people that had, had served the Lord. Uh, then we see that, uh, what, what did John see? John also saw... Four beasts. He saw four beasts. Look at verse 7. Revelation 4, 7. Uh, the Bible says, And the first beast was like a lion, and the second beast like a calf, and the third beast had a face as a man, and the fourth beast was like a flying eagle. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever. So these four beasts here, uh, they were, uh, these four beasts were praising God. Now, uh, these four beasts, we see that there were three, uh, three images, three different images and they believe that these four images, uh, these four beasts are showing the characteristics of Christ. So the first one is the lion. Uh, he had a face of a lion. That was strength. That was kingship. Uh, the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so here you have, uh, this is a, uh, it would be one that would be representing uh, the, the kingship of Christ. Uh, the calf, secondly, uh, and that would be the sacrifice of Christ. So the characteristics, we've got the king, uh, but we also have the calf. He is the sacrifice. Then we see the man, the face of a man. And in the face of a man, we have the incarnation of Christ. Aren't you glad that he came? Uh, aren't you glad that he was willing to come and be that sacrifice for us, the incarnation? And then the eagle uh, seeing all things. And so these beasts, they give glory and honor and thanks to him uh, that sat upon the throne. And when these beasts give these thanks, what do we find the elders doing? Look at verse number 10. It says, The four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. 
For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. And so here, when we find these elders, we see worship. And what does worship look like? Worship looks like the bowing, the, the falling down, and coming before God. And when we, when we come to worship God, there ought to be a bowing of our heart. There ought to be a bowing, a submission in our own heart. Uh, there, ought, there ought to be a time uh, that uh, as we are worshiping the Lord in our own personal, uh, personal walk with God, uh, that, that we bow before Him. The bowing of a knee is, is just honoring. And with that, just that, it's part of worship. They fell down. Uh, they worship. The, wor the word worship literally is to bow, uh, to worship. And then they cast their crowns. Uh, it, was, it was just recognizing that anything that I have of value belongs to you. You know, when the Lord is in the right place in our life, he is what matters, not what we have. Not what we have. You know, life is, it's, it's amazing how it can grab our attention. How a job can grab our attention. How climbing a ladder can grab our attention. Personal accomplishments. Praise of man. All those things can come into play, and if we're not careful, we lose our focus on him, and it becomes about us. And here, what we find is these four and twenty elders, they're bowing down before God, and what they have, they're giving to him. And you and I, uh, in our life, uh, God doesn't ask for everything. He, he doesn't ask us to give 100% of everything that we have, but he deserves everything that we have. And there isn't anything that we have that we shouldn't be willing to give to him if he would want it, even our life. I think about uh, Mark and Rhonda blessings. Here they, as missionary couple, they decided to stay inside Lviv. They, they're there. They're not leaving. They're Americans. They could go. They got their passports. They're close to the Poland border, and they could get out. But they're not looking to get out. They, they know their life is in danger. And it's not just that they're willing to give an offering or they're just willing to give a house or give some time, they're, they're stay, staying realizing that they may be giving their life. You read the voices of the martyrs. You read some of these countries where Christians are being killed for their faith. You know, people who have recognized, God, you, everything is yours. 
My life is yours. There is a, years ago, there was a illustration that was going around and and there was, they said that there was a bunch of men that came into a back of a church with masks on their face and, uh, and uh, AK-47s. And they walked into the church and said, all right, if you're a believer, get up against the wall. If you're not, get out of here. And we're going to kill everybody that's believers. And, and people are scattering and some are going to the walls. And, and uh, then after everything calmed back down, they took off their masks and they said, well, now we know who the real believers are. Now we can worship. Now, I would not advise that here. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't advise that at any point. But the, the idea, what would our response be? Would our response be to, to leave or to stay? You know, we... We just don't know. We're not there. We're not at that spot. But what we do know is that we should have a heart that we have given our life to the Lord. And it belongs to Him. And when we, we get to that place where, God, my life is yours. And if you want it to be long, I'll serve you. If you want it to be short, you take it. Whatever, whatever that is. Uh, but these elders, they fall down, they worship, they cast their crowns. Uh, and when we find uh, them, their, their attitudes, you, you see what that, that attitude was in. Verse 11, he, they said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. And, you know, we, we need to grab a hold of that. All things are for God's pleasure. He made them for his pleasure, not for our pleasure. And he made us not for our pleasure. He made us for his pleasure. Now, let me ask you a question. Is God getting pleasure out of our life? That's an honest question. We should be able to look into, our, into the mirror and look at our life and say, okay, am I living in such a way that I am bringing pleasure to the Lord? And if I'm not bringing pleasure to the Lord, what, what do I need to do? What do I need to change? Because he is worthy. He is worthy to receive glory and power and honor. He is worthy uh, for everything uh, that we have. He created all things and for his pleasure they are and were created. And so uh, everything about this earth is to bring pra praise and glory to God. Uh, the Bible says that if man, if we did not praise him, that the rocks would cry out in praise. God made everything to praise him. He said, let everything that hath breath, breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. And all of us need to be living in such a way that we are pleasing him. We are praising him. And so here when we look at this uh, passage of scripture out of Revelations chapter 4, uh, we just find that uh, there is an attitude uh, that we should have. And John was seeing this from God's perspective. John is seeing this from, from heaven. The door was open. And now he's looking and seeing what God wanted him to see. And what did God want him to see? God wanted him to see worship. Yeah. 
God wanted him to see what was really going to matter. You know, one of these days, this earth is going to burn up. Everything's going to go away. What we have in the bank is going to go away. What we have in possessions is going to go away. What we have in accomplishments, they're going to be gone. But what we do for him will last for eternity. One time, uh, Brother Hiles told a story. He, when he was a younger preacher, he traveled with Dr. John R. Rice. And Dr. John Rice was, they were at, out of uh, town and they were staying at a hotel. Brother Rice was in one hotel room and uh, Brother Hiles was in the next one over. And Brother Hiles, he said, there was all this noise coming from Brother Rice's room. And finally, it was just, it was just obnoxious, the amount of, of noise that was coming from that room. And so he goes over, he knocks on the hotel door, uh, and Dr. Rice comes, and his, his hair's all messed up, and he's already, uh, he's already an old man. He had to have been 53 at least, and, uh, and uh, his hair was messed up, and his, uh, his, his bed was, it was all messed up. And Brother House looked at him, and Brother Rice was out of breath. He said, what are you doing? And he was up on his bed, jumping up and down, praising God. And he said, what are you, what are you doing? He said, I'm just, getting, I'm just getting practice, praising my God. You know, I'm not saying we need to go home and jump up and down on the bed. But I wonder, how much time do we praise the Lord? Is our, is our praise only tied to what other people see? Do we, do we sing and praise the Lord only at church? Is it only when we're up in front of a group? Or is it our life? I think all of us could grow in this area of worship. And the more we see of him, the less we will think of ourselves. So here when we look at this, this chapter, we, it's summarized in John just seeing God being praised. And God being praised in a way that God desired to be praised. The bowing down, the worship, and that sacrifice. And you and I, we need to be offering God the sacrifice of praise. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Father, I pray that you'd help us. Lord, thank you for just being so good to us. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us uh, to to love you more. Help us to draw nigh to you. Help us uh, to sense your presence in our life. And uh, Lord, to be in the spirit so we can see things uh, the way you want us to see them and to experience this area of worship uh, the way it ought to be experienced. And so I pray that you'd help us. Uh, bless each one here tonight. Uh, may you just lead us and guide us, bring us, uh, help us to grow in our worship for you. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed our service. If you would like to hear more, visit our website at bbc4me.org. That's bbc, the number four, me.org. May God bless you.